Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog at onstageblog.com, which hosts this podcast. Joined with me as always is my better half, Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? I'm ready to rock. I was just saying, Chris, you know, last couple, like the last month was pretty slow as far as entertainment, but I feel like, Chris, these stories came fast and furious this week, and I'm ready to rock, dude. Literally, literally fast and furious is one of your stories this week. Have to do with Fast and the Furious? No. Okay. Right, just- <laughs> no, but I just, I, I realized that. I haven't seen that movie yet. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, if this is your first time listening to this podcast, I'm not going to even explain the rules of this podcast to you. You, It's your job to go back and listen to <laughs> the format of this podcast. So no explanation. Ooh, yeah. That's exactly. No explanation. Ben, let's just launch him, my man. What do you got for me this week? You kick it off. All right. I, I This was something that was kind of new. So last week... um. Like about the middle of the week. So the way I ingest my, I don't know about everyone else's, uh, the way they ingest late night talk shows. But the way I do it is, you know, I watch the clips on the YouTubes afterwards, you know, the next day. And towards the end of the week, uh, Will Ferrell as Ron Burgundy, I believe he was on every single late night talk show last week. (laughs) Yeah. He was on Colbert, uh, James, was it James? Oh, what's his name? James Corden, Corden, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, and Conan. He was like on all the major late night podcasts or uh, talk shows. And he did like different comedy bits. And he had like a hipster puppet on Jimmy Fallon. He met animals on James Corden. And he did all these things. Uh, I love it. I love him in character. And I was telling uh, one of my friends that I just love when he's in character and improving in character, whether it be Ron Burgundy or Chris, you ever seen the uh, court? I think it's Cord and Tish. They do the Rose Bowl. Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous. And they just make fun of Tim Meadows the whole time. It's so ridiculous. I just love when he just kind of infiltrates like subversively TV. Uh, Chris, what do you think about Ron Burgundy week? I was, I was digging it. I was trying to figure out how they did it. Um, and then I realized, because I mean, a couple of those shows, Corden and Fallon, uh, not Fallon, Kimmel, you know, they film in LA and mm-hmm. everyone else is in New York. And then I reckon I realized that it's the three hour time difference and they can, they can make it work. But um, really, really impressed that he did all six in one day. Um, I, I, I got to be honest, I had no idea that the Ron Burgundy podcast existed before this. Oh, really? So shame on me, uh, first of all. Yeah, uh, but then because of this, I went back and I downloaded like every episode, and have listened through, and it's fantastic. I mean, it's just it's. I mean, if you love <laughs> Ron Burgundy as a character, it it is like the epiphany of what you want um, in that podcast. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, I was digging it, and I I I mean, Will Ferrell is one of those guests that is going to give you late night talk show gold every single time. Every single time. Right. I mean, right. Um, you know, I, I used to know someone who worked for David Letterman back in the day and, you know, they, they had a list, they had a list of like 20 people that even if they didn't have a project coming up, 
you know, they knew, okay, if we, if we really need like a good segment, you know, this week, let's just call this person and bring it. Like Bill Murray was one of them. They just knew like they could bring a gold if he was promoting something or not. So he's right there on that list. I was digging it the whole time. Yeah, it was great. I, I hope that they just do this every week or every summer, like just once, like one week of summer, like shark week. That'd be amazing. (laughs) It's like burgundy week. (laughs) I like, I love it. I love it. Good stuff. They can totally steal that from me. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there there you go. There you go. No, it it was great. And I also liked how he did different stuff on each show. Like it never was like he tried stand up on Fallon. He did, uh, I think he did prop comedy on. um, (laughs) Oh yeah. I watched that one. (laughs) Jimmy Kimmel. I mean, I think he did a ventriloquist uh, uh, dummy at one point. I mean, it was great. It was gold. So yeah, more of that, please. Yes, yes, yes. Definitely, definitely. All right. Well, for my first pick this week, um, Ben, did you hear there was some controversy last week when the owner, it it was found out that the owner of uh, Equinox Gyms, um, I guess he's he's the majority owner of the Miami Dolphins, his name's Stephen Ross, uh, held a fundraiser for Donald Trump and raised about $13 million. And he's the owner yeah. of the, this this gym and all these things. Well, apparently because that was made public, people went on a fury of, uh, you know, just, you know, boycotting Equinox, canceling their memberships. Um, you know, you've got season ticket holders of the Miami Dolphins saying like, I don't want my season tickets anymore, but, but I'll be honest with you. Why did you have season tickets to the Dolphins to begin with? Uh, <laughs> Throw that out there. I'm gonna give my fifty dollars back. I'm gonna give my fifty dollars. I don't want to. I don't want to see this team win four games a year anymore. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, people people were definitely angry about you know this situation. Now, I want to ask you. I mean, I, let's say the owner of you know a, a, a favorite restaurant he comes out is, is a Trump supporter, or not even a Trump supporter, just the opposite party or candidate that you support. Is that something you would boycott their their business over? Uh, you know, I think just in today's times, I think Trump is a different monster than politics. You know what I mean? Like, if you can remember back, this is way, 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 way back, you know, maybe in the long time ago of four years ago. <laughs> like, people disagreed politically, but they weren't boycotting each other's restaurants. Right. You know what I mean? Like, even if you were a staunch Republican and Obama was in town, you'd be like, oh, shit, the president's in town. You're not going to go, like, throw eggs at him or, you know. Right. <laughs> do, like, he's still the president. Like, and, and I, someone was recalling, like, a story, like, where, like, you know th- – I think, you know, even like with GW Bush, with the war going on and there was just a polite way to, well, no, you would protest his policies. You'd protest the war. You'd protest what he was doing, not the man. You would still kind of semi-respect him as the president. Mm-hmm. There was still that respect. So I think Trump is a different monster. I, I just think that it's him. And you know what, Chris, you actually uh, – making me segue into one of my stories. Oh, I wanted to get your take. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if I was going to use it, but I don't know if this counts, but did you see that he was um, doing a bad Asian impression at one of the fundraisers up in New England? Not the first time he's done that either. Uh, no. Yes. I, I I haven't seen the impression yet, but I've heard his previous ones. Um, yeah. And I'm just like, okay. Like, <laughs> like nothing, nothing surprises me at this point. Like if someone told me that he – you know, put it, you know, dress up in blackface and things like that. I'd be like, yeah, okay. Like, I believe it. Like it's, we talked about the, you know, the cage zone where, you know, 
anything that he does crazy, like we believe with Trump, right. it's anything right. stupid and idiotic. And I'm like, right. yeah, okay. I, I believe you. <laughs> so. Well, and then, so Chris, all right. So you have these very big optics. So our, we never really got into politics, but I really don't even think this is politics. No. Really, You know what I mean? No. This is about him. And you know, there is, he is definitely to say the least, a divisive character in our country mm-hmm. and in the world. So these stories come out of these people protesting this and boycotting him and boycotting his products and blah, blah, blah. But he still gets elected. He's still polling pretty high. What do you think the deal is with that? Why do you think that is? Well, I think, and this is this is just me, you know, because I have friends and family members that are uh, staunch Trump supporters. Um, for the first time in a long time, you have a president who takes a device a, a a definitive stance. Uh, on on certain subjects, you know, I won't lie. I, I disagree with about eighty percent of what he stands for, but especially the major issues. But um, right, you have you in the past with Obama and Clinton and Bush and even Reagan. I, I mean, I don't remember that, but if you want to go that back that far, you you have politicians who play that game of like, well, you know, I'm not going to give a definitive answer, or I'm going to try to keep things as broad as possible, so this way my support remains high. Now you've got a guy who, first of all, has no shame. So he's kind of Teflon there, um, taking definitive stances, saying no or yes on very controversial topics. And we haven't really gotten that before. Usually everything's kind of a game. Usually everything's kind of a, a, a deal or you know a brokerage, so to speak. But for the first time, you've got a president that is saying yes or no on certain subjects. And for a lot of people, that is refreshing. Um, that is something that's new and exciting and something that they can get united behind, which is why I think his numbers are as good as they are, which is why I'm also <clears throat> terrified about 2020 because you've got 20 yeah. some odd Democratic candidates that can't seem to agree on anything um, and are not presenting any type of plan. Uh, so I'm, I'm just I'm just very nervous at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, that was a really interesting take, but you're wrong. No, the okay. answer is gerrymandering. <laughs> gerrymandering was the answer. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 100% uh, right on that one. Exactly. Yeah. Um, no. And uh, so it's like so interesting that I, I just find it so interesting because you have these stories and it's like rightfully so the guy's like openly racist, like, and you, and openly sometimes supporting like white supremacy and just doing these awful things and he's going to win 2020. And so I just really interesting i don't know it, it's just to, to add on to that what worries me even more is when you have ardent ardent supporters of his that will tolerate or look past real problems with his presidency real problems with him as a person and say well you know that that's okay but you know like the whole sexual assault and harassment stuff you know they, they look past normally that would kill a candidate but yet they looked past that and said, well, let's concentrate on the real issues and things like that. And they're doing the same thing, you know, two and a half years later. So I do think it's an issue. Um, I, I, I've i tried to reason with some of these Trump supporters and I just can't. Um, yeah, that's my I think that's the takeaway. Like, so you asked me the question, would I ever protest something politically? Probably not. Like it really before the last two and a half years, I I, I would consider myself not really political. You know what I mean? Right. Like I could see where, I mean, I'm pretty down the middle as far as well. I mean, 
I am a registered communist, but uh, <laughs> the um, I mean, as far as politics in America, I'm pretty down the middle, and I could see people's sides of pretty much every argument. You know what I mean? Right. And right. You can have a political debate with me, but this is something totally different. That totally is just different. it's yeah, and so I think that's what they're protesting is that. So if there was another candidate, if something happened and someone just took over the race, let's say he was kicked out of office or he didn't run, which would be impossible. It'd be a smooth move though. Cause he rose all this money and then he just took off. That'd be really cool. Deuces, uh, yeah. <laughs> I can actually see that. And then let's say like Mike Pence were the run, like someone that's pretty plain vanilla still has some awful views behind him and some weird things in his past. But if he were to run, I think it'd be a landslide. It wouldn't even be close. Right. Because you wouldn't be divisive. No one would protest if like, if he, you know, someone were to support Mike Pence, like the the owner of the Dolphins, no one would be protesting the gyms or the Dolphins. Everyone right. would be like, yeah, maybe I won't go this year, but they wouldn't be openly protesting. You know what I mean? Exactly. I think that's the difference. That's the difference. Exactly. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, yeah, dude. All right. What else? You well, got? that wasn't my. That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't my. Count, yeah, we're not going to count that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking about. I just wanted to hear your take on that. Um, <laughs> all right, let's switch it up. Yeah. That, we've never gone political never really gone on the political, show, but we're territory. I know. So let's get out of here. Okay. <laughs> so big news in the um, the world of video games. So there's this game, Chris. I don't know if you do. You have a Wii U? I do not. Okay, I don't either. But this really piqued my interest, and I started looking up prices on Wii U. <laughs> That's how much. And I have old school video game systems. I've talked about like the Raspberry Pis in my in my house and stuff like yeah. that. Um, but there's a game called Super Mario Maker 2. Um, did you see this game yet? No, not yet. Okay, so you know how the angry video game nerd uh, Cinemasker, he has uh, Mike and Mike Mondays, Mike and James Mondays, where they go through and they just play old school games. Um, they covered this game. So I'm doing a twofer. I'm doing a boofer, double boofer. So I got YouTube video and this is from Uprox and, um, super Mario maker two is a great game. So you can make levels and you can play user generated levels and they range on a variety of impossible to like easy, but like great, like, uh, homages. So there's a Contra level. So it's almost like the full game of Contra, but in Mario style. So instead of the power-ups floating through air, you have mushrooms and flowers flowing through air. It's really neat game. And it actually goes into like a old school 3d looking kind of Golgo 13 old school final fantasy looking thing where you go through like a maze uh, corridor, but then you have the side scrolling ability really cool. And they pull graphics from uh, Mario one, two, three uh, world and uh, one of the, the, uh, the end world that those are the four that you can pull from. Nice. So you can pull from all those characters and you make your own levels. It's, it's an, a game of infinite potential. It says right here. So you can make these levels and what's really cool. And I think my favorite thing about old school gaming on consoles is you can see people's scores on the leaderboards. So even mm. though it's like miss Pac-Man, you can see your, your, your score. And on this one, you not only can see the high score, you can see where, how far you got last time you made the run. And so there's a little X on the screen and you try to get past that little X and you can see other people's X's, how far they've gotten really cool game, Chris. Um, yeah. So is, are you interested in something like that? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I haven't bought a Nintendo product since GameCube. That's how far back I, yeah. that's how long I've been with Xbox. I'll put it that way. Um, but I mean, I gotta be honest with you. A lot of the students that I talk to in my job, a lot of the people that I interact with um, are all about Nintendo and, and more specifically Mario and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I have a feeling, especially with my son getting older, 
that um, I, I think I have to get back into that that Nintendo pool, so to speak. So uh, I will definitely yeah. be looking probably at the Wii U in the next couple of years. So that's good to know. Yeah, like when I go up to my parents, they still have my old Wii from like 2007 nice. or something like that. Nice. And the thing is still rocking. And Deacon loves bowling and loves all those games. So that system is still rocking. And then right here, you have an old property that is still making new games. And it's like a top selling game. And uh, it's old school. I mean, it looks like old school Mario. So I encourage everyone to go out there and look at this. It's a really neat game. And I just love how still, my God, was it 40 years later, 1984 or something like that? Mm. We're still finding use for a game that just won't die. I mean, that's that just shows you how great that game is still. Love it. So just awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. You do. So my next thing, um, interesting story came out. So I, I, you're familiar with the actress Amanda Seyfried, right? Uh, yeah. Mean Girls. Uh, oh, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. So, yeah. so she did an interview because uh, she's got this upcoming movie called The Art of Racing in the Rain. It's about dog and, you know, it's like one of those dog Oh, movies. the dog movie. Dog movie yeah. in the car. Yeah, it's stupid. But anyway, <laughs> um, so she did an interview and they asked her about like, you know, are there any roles that you regret? turning down um and she said yeah um i got a call i got offered a uh comic book movie but i didn't i decided not to do it because i would have to be in green paint for most of the year and it just was not something i wanted to do at that point in my career and she's talking about turning down the role of gamora in oh. guardians of the galaxy <laughs> jesus so, oops well she apparently she has no regrets over that okay. um huh all right, good for you. No regrets. No regrets. Just living life. But, but Ben, <laughs> let me ask you: Is Amanda Seyfried yeah. just dumb for turning down Marvel money? Um, if I was her agent, I would. I, I might quit. I might be like, "Well, that's it. I'm done. I can't. I can't help you." Um, I, I just think that Marvel, and, I, and I'm speaking specifically Marvel. I'm not even including DC into this conversation. Um, I, I just think for an actor, it's too powerful of an entity not to take it's it's like a paycheck you know and residuals i can't even imagine the money that that you would be able to get out of something like that as an actor as a working actor um especially if, you know in this day and age where your your light bulb is if fame can go out at any moment um i just feel it's foolish not to take that leap what did you think about all this turning down a marvel movie well you know what i don't want to get like super quotey of the little girl in once upon a time in hollywood but as an actor, uh, you're supposed to um, be willing to do anything. You know, even when I teach acting class and stuff, if you're willing to do something another actor's not willing to do, you're going to get more lines. You're going to get more scenes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's tons of stories out there of actors that even fake their way into movie sets, like the kid that faked his way onto Days and Confused, and <laughs> he was supposed to be a pitcher, and he's, he didn't know how to throw a baseball. Um but you know what? That actor, he said, yeah, I could do that. And you're just not supposed to say no. And that was like one of those things that we learned, Chris, you know, in, in acting schools, like you need to put on your resume all the things you can do. If you can ride a horse, put it on there. If you can ride a skateboard, put it on there. If you can do any anything, any skill, because that might get you cast over the next guy. You know, many times in my acting life, like playing the guitar or singing or being really loud, that kind of stuff that comes like naturally to me and has, I've done it for years. That's gotten me parts over other people. Mm. And in order to get roles and maintain them, you sometimes you got to sacrifice and do things that you don't want to do. And putting on green paint, isn't a bad thing. 
Mm. So I don't know. Uh, it's kind of weak. It's kind of like uh, there are no small actors. There are no small small parts, just small actors. So that's the way I think. I mean, I guess she was holding out for Mamma Mia too. That was like the paycheck. That was the payday. Right. <laughs> that is the girl from Mamma Mia. That's yes. right. <laughs> forget this. Forget this Marvel movie. That you know, I I, yeah. I want I want me some some Mamma Mia money. Um, I just, <laughs> I don't understand it, but Hey, you know what? Life, life choices, I guess. I mean that there's that classic quote from Sean Connery, uh, when he was doing press for the league of extraordinary gentlemen, they asked him, you know, why did you do this movie basically? <laughs> and he said, well, uh, they offered me the matrix and I turned it down. Uh, then they offered me the Lord of the Rings and I turned it down. And, uh, then they offered me this and I was like, you know what? <laughs> I'm not going to turn it down. So it's like, you know, you just have to say, why not? And yeah, so why not? There you go. There you go. All right, man. What do you, what do you got? Go ahead. Speaking of, uh, it's not one of my picks, but did you end up seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yet? I did. What are your thoughts? On See, the, so uh, this was not going to be one of my five this week. I, I will yeah. lie because I completely forgot that I'd seen it and I meant to bring it I know. Week. I know. Um, let me do, let me put it this way. Okay. I, how do I put this? I think it's Tarantino's best visual film. It it's the it's the nicest looking film he's ever done. I think. Uh, I was just from the the scenery to the the cars, the the costuming, the way that he shot it. Um, like I thought that Inglorious Bastards was like the the top the cream of the crop in terms of or kill bill one i should say right um right this this for me at least overtook it i was just constantly blown away by the visuals the writing unbelievable some of his best writing definitely up there um the little girl we mentioned her earlier that that entire sequence oh my god yeah oh my yeah, god I know. Um, I know just put a star on that girl like right now she's like off to the races that whole scene when in the western between him and oliphant is freaking oh. amazing and then he, I just want to watch that movie. <laughs> and then he screws up the line at the end of the take. But like, incredible, incredible. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I'll be honest. Like that whole controversy over the Bruce Lee thing, I, I can see it if I was really sensitive about the situation, but I'm not. So I'm like, folks, it's keeping Bruce Lee in the pop culture, you know, relevance. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Um, and I, 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 I love the. <laughs> I love the ending. It, it's yeah. watching Brad. Is, is that one of the greatest? Is that one of the greatest endings of like all time, dude? What is it? I can't remember. Is he takes the woman's head? Spoiler alert! And just like smashes. <laughs> it yeah, over and over and over again. Um, and great cameos too, by the way. Uh, oh, I mean, Lena Dunham, um, Kevin yeah. Smith's daughters in there, like just people. Like, James Remar getting punched James, in the face, James. and uh, <laughs> I was like, "Oh, James Remar. James Remar!" And then like I was like, "Oh, Keith David!" <laughs> oh, and there was like, uh, uh, "What's that guy's name?" Cliff Collins Jr. What's that? Clifton guy's Collins. Name? Yeah, he was like, like he had like one line, and I was like, "Clifton Collins Jr." <laughs> <laughs> Love that guy. Um, no, it, it's it's I, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, this is Oscar. Um, material all over it. I again, though, it's like you put this up there with us and Midsummer, and I'm like, I have no idea what you do. Like, good luck, flip a coin. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And like, as the year shakes out, you know, I'm I have my opinions, and I do have crazy opinions sometimes. But the way this year is just panning out, like these movies will come out, and everyone's like, yeah, you should go check it out. And then like, you just look up the you see, hear reviews, and it's just like 
half the people hate it, half the people like it. And you're like, eh, do I really want to see this? You know what I mean? I'm seeing more old school movies this summer than <laughs> new movies. I'm seeing like Close Encounters Outdoors than <laughs> going to see a new movie. Um, it's just been such a slow summer. And when I went to, oh, last week I went to a Hitchcock movie and I was geeking out with people and they're like, oh, what do you, what's your favorite movies of the year? And I said, once upon a time in Hollywood in midsummer. And there was no arguing nope. in this geeky film nerd theater. There was no argument. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing else. There, there really is nothing else. It, it's just, I mean, and even us, like compared to those two, it's out oh, of control. <laughs> I, so Chris, where do you see this one landing in a couple of years as far as like top five Tarantino movies? Oh, it's, I think it's just, oh, I know. I need to rewatch it a couple of times, but yeah. I, I, I'm thinking it's going to get up. I'm in my mind. It's going to go up there. I, for me, Chris, did you have a visceral reaction in the theater? Yes. Did you like, what did you do? Did you like cheer? Did you laugh? What was going on? I constantly kept nodding my head. I, I, I remember mm-hmm. like constantly just like nodding my head, like, hell yeah. Like that was, that was great. Like that whole scene with him and the girl, like sitting in the chairs, like outside oh. before they start, just that whole conversation. I'm just like nodding my head over and over again. Like, yes, yes. Like acting. I love. And then like that, that whole scene in his trailer is such the Oscar reel. I mean, if Leo doesn't win for that, I just like, yeah, eight whiskey sours. You're such an alcoholic. <laughs> And you know what? I don't know, dude. And like the whole Bruce Lee thing, I was so I was laughing that whole scene and applauding, and I I couldn't get enough. That scene needed to be like twenty five minutes longer. So I I was it was amazing. It was incredible, and I didn't realize that the guy who plays uh, Charles Manson also plays Charles Manson in another show. In Mindhunter season two coming out Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Like, like, yeah, dude, I love my, I can't wait to talk about Mindhunter with you coming up, but yeah, dude, I'm that. And he's like in two seconds of it and, but you didn't need, but did you get my point? I know you went, you heard my spiel the other week, but did you get my point about the suspense just ratcheting up? Oh yeah. Like every time you saw a hippie or Brad Pitt saw the hippie girl on the side of the road and you saw a man like, and every time that Sharon Tate, I mean, I mean, there's been some. I don't, it's some weak sauce controversy. I, I thought they did a great job of painting Sharon Tate as just right. a nice person. She just seemed like a really nice person. And she's like, just like the dough. She's like the innocent dough out there. And you're just like, Ugh. and then like Charlie shows up to the house. You're like, like literally there was times I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, Quentin, don't do it. I was like shaking my head. I go, I don't right. want to see this. You know what I mean? Cause you like, it's cause I didn't know about the end or anything. And like, seriously all the way up, Leo steals the show so many times, but in a way that it's not Leo. We're so used to him being, you know, smooth, you know, Hollywood store, Wolf of Wall Street. Even when he's like fucked up, he's still smooth and good looking. And the scene, the iconic scene of him with a picture of Margarita in his bathrobe screaming at the dirty hippies, get off my fucking driveway, is one of the greatest monologues. Like, of all. imagine, Chris, imagine a kid rolled up to an audition and did that monologue. It'd be so amazing. I'd be, I'd be done. Like, here, what, what do you want? This is a private uh, residence. <laughs> I pay a lot of taxes here. <laughs> so I mean, amazing. The- DiCaprio, in my mind, he's got an Oscar this year. I mean, it's his it's his to lose uh, yeah. at this point, in my mind. Uh, not um, even also, close. I mean, freaking great to see Luke Perry. I mean, just kind of oh. one last time. Like, Luke, and he was awesome. That, he was awesome. I know. I mean, this, this is one of those things where, I mean, like I, we've talked about it before, there are very few directors. 
I think Tarantino, Spielberg, Nolan, Nolan um, yep. you know, where, you know, PT Anderson, that you are going to get the very best from these actors in this mm-hmm. film. Like mm-hmm. they're going to give you a hundred. There is no mailing it in. And I think that's part of why I love watching, especially Tarantino films. Cause I know I'm going to get the a game from, from top to bottom because some people would just do that movie for free because they can be in a Tarantino film. Exactly. And, and even, and it's so awesome and refreshing to see these extremely top tier or extremely top tier working actors like, you know, like a James Reamer or something like that, that is famous for movies in the past. Of course, you know, of course the warriors. And, but of course he's, he's anyone who sees him. He's they're like, Oh, that's Dexter's dad. You know what I mean? He's a working TV actor. You know what I mean? Like he's in tons mm-hmm. of stuff. And to for him to show up to get punched in the face in like a five second clip <laughs> is so great. And you just I love that. You know how we we're just talking about actors. There are no small parts. There's only small actors. And I just love, like you said, they have such a respect for the the dialogue, the screenplay and the director that they're just like, you know what? What do you want? What do you need from me? You need me to just ride a horse. Come on and say, yeah, what's up? Like, all right, cut. You're all set for the day. Like th- these actors are willing to just act their ass off for like one, two lines and just bounce. It's just great. And you know what, what's awesome is I, you know, I, I went in blind. I didn't read any, really any reviews or anything like that. So I had no idea what the ending was going to be like. And, you know, just like you, I'm like, Oh God, we're going to get to this like yeah, yeah. terrible ending. And then when it happened, my emotions went from instant dread to like, over the top glee, if that makes sense. Me too. No, me too, dude. I was happy like for a week straight, like until we did the podcast, I was like smiling. I remember driving home from that movie, just smiling, driving in my car, just like Cliff Booth and just driving around. And I was like smiling ear to ear. And I was like, it made me so happy. Great movie. Great freaking movie. Yeah. So, and I just must've been a crazy person in the theater because I think I talked about how you got these 20 year olds that really don't understand why it's so such a visceral thing to watch. Like these awful people <laughs> get violently killed. And so for me to be like, yeah, like laughing and it's like someone's face is getting bludgeoned. They must've been like, who's this crazy person behind <laughs> us? But screw those kids. They should read a history book. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. I love it. All right, man. What you got for your number three? Because that does that's number three. That actually doesn't count. count. That doesn't even count. No, it didn't even count. Didn't even count. I love it. Yeah. Let's let's keep going. Uh this week, uh, Chris, you know, a lot of times I don't really talk about a trailers because you know what you're gonna talk about. We, you know, you got these like three minutes and then they're like, we have speculation. Mm. But we got something to talk about. Um Dolomite is my name. Yes. Trailer for Netflix's movie about Rudy Ray Moore, uh, starring Eddie Murphy, Arsenio Hall, uh, too many names. Oh, Keegan Michael Keel, Wesley Snipes, Arsenio Hall. I meant, I meant Wesley Snipes. I got Snipes. to America on the brain. <laughs> um, and Craig Robinson. And um, Chris, are you familiar with Rudy Ray Moore? You know, I am not. I, I, okay. did, I did a lot of I, I looked him up after I saw the trailer, but I did not already. Okay. Uh, he had such great movies, such as Dolomite. I think it's Dolomite Rides Again. Then there's uh, Petey Wheatstraw, The Devil's Son-in-Law. <laughs> then there's The Disco Godfather. Those are the ones I know. Uh, <laughs> I think I have like a box set. I know I have a box set somewhere. Amazing. Oh, it's not in here. Yeah, it's it's got to be in the other room. Anyway, um, it there's okay. You're familiar with black exploitation. You're you're familiar with Superfly. Um, Shaft, you know, you know, Shaft, Foxy Cleopatra Brown, Jones, Jones, Foxy Brown. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Truck Turner with Isaac Hayes. Um, 
and you get like a little more ghetto and ghetto, like as far as budget goes. <laughs> and Dolomite is ultra budget. Um, and but they are so just kind of if you know any kind of like old school rap song, they 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 lift samples from him all the time. Mm. Um, it is iconic character and just like hitting it hits all the marks of black exploitation that you want to hit. Just you know, sticking it to the man at the end of the movie, <laughs> and, you know, no matter what, you gotta stick it to the man. And I think, all right, here's my question to you. What were your thoughts between this and comedians and cars getting coffee with Eddie Murphy as far as him doing these projects? It was one of, after watching the comedians and cars getting coffee episode, it made me want to, for Eddie Murphy to return as, as Eddie Murphy, like give me like, don't give me, you know, Disney movie Eddie Murphy. Give me like raw Eddie Murphy. And when I saw this trailer, which I I had no idea that this project was even, you know, being made. I I don't look yeah, at me either. Me either. You know, yeah. It, it was. It never showed up on like the you know variety like you know Eddie Murphy movie. Um, I I don't look at his IMDb regularly like Nicolas Cage's. So I had no idea <laughs> that this movie was coming out, and it was just such a pleasant surprise. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, yes, like, this is what I want from you. Like this, this is you coming back and surrounding himself with the talent that he has. It's just, it's very exciting. It's very exciting. And, and, and also I think it's going to tell a great story about, about the behind the scenes of, of this guy and, and how they made these movies, which I think is, is awesome. Like, yeah, give me more of that. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because I don't know if he, you know, and I think Eddie Murphy, you know, if you watch Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, it sounds like it seems like he's a very private guy. And we talked about that a little. And it seems like he's a family man. He's got kids. And that happens to a lot of actors. You right. know what I mean? They they tone it down while their kids are young. And I'm hoping the kids are getting older and it's time for him to return to form. And it's not like you need Eddie Murphy to do something incredibly dangerous or dirty or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not really what we're looking for. And like even him, I don't even really need him swearing. And there was something about this project that was just kind of, for lack of a better term, raw, (laughs) that was just raw and funny. Like it's, it's, it seems like a great, I'm going to watch this movie right when it comes out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm just excited for it. It just seems like a great concept, great follow through, great cast. And like just having Keegan-Michael Key attached to it, it it just seems like they're bringing the funny. And I can't wait, dude. Between this and Comedians and Cars, I was like, the same exact reaction. You read my mind, just he's back. Yeah, and I love the fact that we're now starting to see these movies about making movies, like well-known movies, like the the behind-the-scenes story of this. We saw with The Disaster Artist last year about The Room, like the whole making of The Room. It was one of the best movies of the year, and damn you, James (laughs) Franco, for what happened. But like that movie should have been uh, an awards darling and it wasn't but now we're, we're getting this I know. i'm waiting 20 years from now for a movie to be based on the making of reservoir dogs because that's that's a, i hear a story as well so again like i love the fact that we're we're, we're seeing movies that dive into this subject uh especially as, you know, for you and i who are huge fans of just you know film in general um this is great for us so yeah i love i love yeah and i love how you know it's a really big thing to be you know, meta nowadays, mm-hmm. you know, and talk about movies inside of movies, you know, and that started, you know, with Tarantino and with Kevin Smith and early nineties, that's when it really blossomed that your, your characters inside your movie would talk about movies that existed. 
um, outside of the movie, like or uh, real movies, which kind of made it like a weird kind of thing. You know, it's and and nowadays it's so common that you have Iron Man calling <laughs> uh, Thor Lebowski and stuff like that, meaning the big Lebowski exists inside the MCU, which I just love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that means all the superheroes watched it. Um, but like one of the things that is so cool about people making movies about movies is you get those behind the scenes things and those little kind of dramatic things that really happen. And it kind of brings back some of the magic of that time. And I think they're able to, you know, especially the black exploitation era, I think they're able to make a movie that is a comment commentary on the time. And they kind of get, can get away with things a little more when it's a commentary, when they didn't know any better, but they can kind of kind of get away with it nowadays I, I just love it great concept great follow through i hope mm. so i mean just the trailer itself i was laughing love so it. love it can't wait good can't stuff wait. Dude. all right so for my number three i know I, I briefly mentioned this but um you and i have have looked at nicholas cage's imdb quite often i think we've done it a couple times yes. um yes, so yes, yes. i wanted to go into someone's imdb this week but i didn't want to do nicholas cage because sadly when i looked at it nothing had changed over the past couple of weeks so he seems to be kind of advanced well i mean well chris we've been we've been hitting it quite often so i i said okay let me just try to see if i can find an actor who seems like he or she would be a busy person um and and someone who probably would say yes to most work so i stumbled upon the academy award nominated actor eric roberts excellent <laughs> Who, Excellent star of Celebrity Rehab, older brother of Julia Roberts, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Academy Award nominee. Like I'm not. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He was nominated for an Oscar. They took my tums, Charlie. They took my tums. <laughs> so here's this is this is the best thing. So I thought to myself, okay, um, I know Eric Stoltz does a lot of B movies, but um, yeah. Eric, Eric Roberts. Roberts? Stoltz. Oh, that would have been a good one, too. <laughs> Stoltz. I mean, that oh, would have been a good geez. one. <laughs> Don't get me excited. Oh, I was like, wait, what's going on? Are they in the same oh, movie? Man. The, <laughs> the Eric's. Eric's. The finally the Eric's are together. <laughs> oh. Well, I'll tell you, though. Can you just see it like like Van Damme Schwarzenegger would be like, <laughs> Eric Stoltz. <laughs> Eric Roberts. Oh. In Demolition Man 3. Oh, Eric, Eric Andre. <laughs> Put, throw him in there. <laughs> oh, I like love it. You could just see it. I would use the giant font. It's like metal. And you just, you keep Eric on the screen and you just change the bottom <laughs> last names. Stoltz, Roberts, Andre. Oh, I love it. Lion King 2. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the revenge. Fantastic. Oh my God. Well, anyway, so the prize for, the prize for me for picking Eric Roberts this week was the fact that his IMDb is the most epic thing I've ever seen. And I'm going to encourage you, Ben, to take a look at it at some point after this podcast is over. Because between filming, completed, and post-production, I kid you not, in the next year, he has 55 projects coming out. 55. Wow, that's Nicolas Cage that's numbers. That's Nicolas Cage numbers. Um, he has currently, according to IMDb, he is filming nine different projects right now nine um so that means he's spending multiple days on multiple different projects excellent just excellent so wow um, i'm not gonna obviously go through all 55 of what things that he's doing but i'm looking right now there's a ton there's dude. a ton um and like 544 acting credits total total 
this guy this wow. guy doesn't say no so first of all um there are a couple i'm just gonna look at a couple titles here that i have not seen going you know before so um he has a movie coming out um uh, that's currently in post-production called bleach uh which is about, yeah i see it bleach. Uh, which is written directed that's always a good sign <laughs> by michael edmonds it co-stars eric roberts <laughs> tara reed and Lorenzo Lamas. So this is just amazing. I just picked this picked this at random. Renegade. Lorenzo um, Lamas, Renegade. The synopsis nice. is a man goes through extreme measures to attempt to stop the ghosts, the ghosts of the girls he murdered in a snuff film from haunting him while trying to keep the authorities off of his back as well. So I'm in. That's I'm in. Like, I'm in. Day one, I'm there. Yeah, I know. There's not enough uh, movies that are driven by snuff films. You know, hey, weren't we just saying that we like movies based on making of other movies? So I guess <laughs> I guess I gotta go see this one too. Um, right, exactly. I'll just read another one. He's doing a movie called Dust Nuggets, um, <laughs> uh, starring him and uh, no one else I, I recognize. Um, but. <laughs> Synopsis is KK Dust Nuggets. KK took the Dust Nuggets rock band. Oh, it's a best about a rock band. Took the Dust Nuggets rock band from the garage to the stadium. It is now in a coma from a drug overdose. Okay. Reviewing her out of control life. What? Okay. So what is he doing? It is he a singer? What's what's going on? Is I, he I like, don't know. <laughs> Here's my question though. Um, why isn't Eric Roberts the richest actor in Hollywood if he's doing? he doesn't say no yeah um is is there is there such thing as like just doing too much like overexposure in in the case of eric robert (laughs) of course there is (laughs) he's probably getting paid what i get paid when i do a movie Uh, ridiculous anyway so that's that's i just wanted i just want everybody to listen to this podcast um to look at uh eric roberts's imdb because it is quite the journey it'll probably take you a while it's a nice deep dive uh, into a career. Meanwhile, uh, Eric Stoltz not really doing anything. Uh, right. He's he's on Madam Secretary, and that's it. So that's all, oh. that's all he's doing. So right. love me some Stoltz. Love me some Stoltz, though. I was just talking about Killing Zoe after our podcast. I was telling Bobby about Killing Zoe. Remember that movie? Ooh, yeah, yeah, heck yeah. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a classic indie thriller from the nineties. That's good. Do you ever see Mask? Let's go back even oh, further. Do you ever see Mask? Of course, I saw it in school. On, I like how. In school, like especially middle school, they would put on these movies. You're destined to cry. You have no idea what this movie's about, and you're sitting there like there's the hot chick behind you two rows back, and you're just like, uh-huh. like, like between that and uh, my girl with Macaulay Culkin, you're just destined oh. to cry at any second. You're like, oh my god, what, what is going on? Oh, you're right. That that's rough. Yeah. I saw him in a movie. Uh, we're talking about Eric Saltz now, uh, where it's like a medieval where he plays like a, a knight of some sort. Um, I don't know the name huh. of it. <laughs> it just it was one great. of those things where I was on cable one day and he's he's riding a horse and he's like a knight and I'm like, oh, it's Eric Stoltz in a medieval. Oh, Lionheart. Lionheart's the name of the movie. Um, there you go. Anyway, huh. all right. <laughs> there you go. All right, sir. Well, what else you got? Um, all right, I got two um documentaries for my last two picks. Oh, okay, uh, the first one 
is on Hulu right now. It's called Too Funny to Fail. It's about the Dana Carvey show. Yes. Do you, Chris, did you watch the Dana, Car- Dana Carvey show when it was on? I did not, but I did watch the that documentary that you're talking about, and I thought it was outstanding. Excellent. Yes. Yeah, so me and my sister, I think we watched – it was only on air for like seven or something like that, and it was on after Home Improvement. So I think me and my sister watched the first couple, and we loved it. I love the idiotic pranksters, mm. I, <laughs> the waiters that get <laughs> – that almost throw up every time they mention food. <laughs> that was Colbert, wasn't it, one of them? It's Colbert and Steve Carell. Oh, that's right. Out of control. <laughs> The cast is out of control. And then you have also Robert Smigel and mm-hmm. you have Louis C.K. And then you, of course, have Dana Carvey at the peak of Dana Carveyness, and just doing the most subversive, subversive TV of all time. Um, so, Chris, I thought the documentary was awesome. And I think that all the people on the documentary are doing well right now. Mm. So they're willing to just, <laughs> you know, make fun of the show now because they're all like, you know. Carell, Colbert, and Dana Carvey, and you know Robert Smigel is still Robert Smigel, and just but it was so interesting for them to one of the most telling. I just love documentaries about like media, and I love the one writer. He was working for Seinfeld, and he's like, I got to go write for the show. It's like the greatest show on TV, and these these writers and actors they're the best comedy actors and writers of all time. So he went over there and then they're like, uh, why did you come here? <laughs> We're going to be canceled in like one episode. He's like, what? This is the greatest show of all time. And so like, and this was coming from the guy that wrote the soup Nazi. And he was just talking about how he loved, I think it was uh, clown grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, I mean, being a fan of, Mr. Show and of course Monty Python and shows like this uh, and uh, my uh, my buddy's website. Twenty five years later, they had a great article on Monty Python: The Absurdist Comedy Paved the Way for Mr. Show. Great article, and they just kind of go through sketches and stuff. Chris, after watching the documentary, why aren't there more shows like those shows? Mm. Like like you know, Mr. Show, uh, Monty Python, that show. I, you remember in the in the midnight, of course, Kids in the Hall, those these shows that had these sketches that, you know, the sketches that we always talk about on Saturday Night Live that we love are the weird ones. You mm. know what I mean? We we secretly switched his coffee to decaf. Like the weird <laughs> sketches that are just like you could, the audience isn't laughing, but like you rewatch them over and over and right. over again. How come there aren't more shows like that? It's a great question. Uh, the answer is because comedy is too safe right now. Um Yes. Too safe. Yeah, we talked about that too. Yeah. It's just way too safe. Like, uh, you know, there was uh, a clip of a comedian, I don't know his name, but it's going viral right now, but it's all about him, like, shutting down a male heckler uh, for being sexist. And I'm like, that's not the thing that should be going viral about a comedian. Like, it should be his jokes and things like that. But yet, like, and then there's another one on Netflix, I can't remember her name, but it's her her comedy is all about like self-esteem and like trying to become an individual. I'm just like, okay. It's just a Ted talk. <laughs> it's a Ted talk. It's a funny Ted talk. Okay, great. And you know, it's interesting you bring up kids in the hall because Ben, I don't know if you saw this morning, we did an interview with Kevin McDonald from kids in the hall. Shut up. So it's actually on our website. Yeah. He did. A- Get out of here. I didn't see that. Oh, it's right. It's on the front page. So he did. Uh. We, we got to do an interview cause he's got a, He's doing a show in New York uh, next month. 
So we I love to... Timmy McDonald. And what, he was need a little milka. Need a little milka. <laughs> What's in the headlines? What's in the charts? Bell Bib DeVoe. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. But like, yeah, I think it's because comedy's too safe. And, you know, they're sadly like HBO and uh, Netflix, they haven't really jumped on this idea of sketch shows uh, because I just don't think that they really want to, you know, upset the, the cart, I guess you could say. But I know. And like, but like when you say like, oh God, keep going, Chris. Go ahead. I was about to say, but the good news is uh, there, uh, HBO just released a brand new show called the black women's or black ladies sketch comedy show. Um, mm. It's only two episodes in, but it's fantastic. So oh, I'll check that out. Hopefully, hopefully we're the tide is turning. We'll see. Yeah. And then just watching the Dana Carvey show, I, you know, I think it was Steve Carell. He was saying like the reason why we love the show so much, especially him and Colbert, he said that it wasn't, nasty you know what i mean it wasn't like mean-spirited right it was crazy and subversive and you had bill clinton with eight nipples like (laughs) milking himself into dogs mouths and stuff like you had the most insane things on air but it wasn't you know mean-spirited or making fun of people almost like the similar to jackass you know what i mean it's so self-involved and just lunatic you know some of my favorite clips from jackass that are on youtube are you know, when uh, Ryan Dunn is behind the jet engine and they do the Maxell commercial and they're throwing stuff off the jet engine. Like, uh, I just love that. I show it to the kid. It's so funny. It's like the greatest. Um, but that stuff is funny because it's not – there's no pointy sticks. There's no pointed knives at anyone. It's just them being dumb. And that's what that show was all about. And I just – just like Monty Python. And that's why those sketch sketches live on forever. Like – and I and speaking of Mr. Show, like one of the most self-involved has nothing to do with anything crazy sketches is the lie lie detector sketch on mm. Mr. Show. Yep. I love that sketch so much. I memorize lines from it. I I almost have the whole thing memorized because it's <laughs> uh just ridiculous. Oh my god, a breakthrough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's crack. It's get you high. It's great. Uh and <laughs> there's so many lines in that sh- sketch, and they're so funny because it's funny for funny's sake. It's really not making fun of anyone or a people. So like in, even in today's like safe, we can't say anything racist or sexist. It's still you're still able to be funny at yeah. some point. Um, now, I love how uh, I think it was Colbert. He pointed out like one of the most racist sketches of all time that was on the Dana Carvey show. Or something. He's like, I just want to let you know that I was playing a white person in that sketch. <laughs> And I was not racist. And so, I mean, there were some things that didn't age well, but for the most part, that show was a riot. I loved how they kept losing sponsors. Like every week they would, their, their, their gimmick was they were going to change sponsors. Like the, you know, Jack Benny show brought to you by Jello. They were going to do that. But then the show was so insane that they kept losing sponsors and no one would be their sponsor. It was great. I mean, they, they really do have the greatest writer writing team ever. Um, ever. I mean, Smigel. You've got um, Louis C.K. is in there. Uh, Steve Carell, Stephen Colbert, Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> that was insane. That was like what? He's writing sketches. <laughs> like, He's about to win like five Oscars, and he just read in like you know. Uh, what do you call it? Like uh, being John Malkovich and stuff like that. And he's like on that show too. Amazing. Dino uh, Stamatopoulos, who plays uh, Starburns on Community, one of my favorite um, writers ever. He's also, he was the head writer of Conan O'Brien for a while. Um, yeah, he was on, he was on Mr. Show. He was, yes. uh, um, he was, I believe he's in the taint sketch. <laughs> 
He's in the. He's in that. I got a five inch taint sketch. <laughs> Again, like NBC, ABC, CBS, they can't do sketches like that. They can't. They just can't do. What they call taint sketches. We're on top of the world. You guys want some ice or something? Some AC? Let me know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good stuff, though. Yeah. yeah um, is is the? Can you find the Dana Carvey show like on? Anything now? Like, oh, I didn't check that. I, I I, there's clips on YouTube. Okay, there there are definitely clips on YouTube um, of some of the best sketches, like the waiters almost throwing up every time they talk. Um, <laughs> but like the sketch that I always remembered, and this was me. I must have been, I think I was 16 or 15 when it was on the air, and I remember the sketch. And we actually did this in real life. Was when I think it was the I think it's called like idiot pranksters or something like idiotic pranksters. And they go to the drive-through, they order their food, and then they pay with a twenty, and they take off before they can get the food and the change. Uh. <laughs> they think it's so funny. It's so dumb. I love it so much. And it's Dana Carvey and Steve Carell, and it's and Steve Carell looks like he's nineteen years old. It's so great. You know, it's funny. I just watched. Um... This movie called Beautiful Boy. Did you see this last year? No. So it's Steve Carell and Timothy Chalamet. It's okay. That guy. Yeah. That kid who's so hot right now. So hot. Um, Hansel, so hot. Hansel, so hot right now. It's 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 the antithesis. It's the polar opposite of the most comedic role he's ever played. It's the most dramatic role I've ever seen Steve Carell play. And he is, wow. he is very good in it. Um, and, and it's one of those like... Wow. Okay. Like I knew, I knew that he'd done like a bunch of projects in 2018 and was really going for that Oscar uh, and it didn't work out for him, but um, that's a really, really good movie. But again, it speaks to him as, as an actor as, in someone where you see these guys who do comedy at such a high level and you forget that they're the reason they're doing that is because they're brilliant performers who then can do drama or writing. I mean, uh, you know, all me too stuff aside you no one can tell me that that louis this tv series wasn't a brilliant tv series because exactly. of the yeah that that there was one episode where it was all about religion and it was this whole thing about this guy coming in and, and showing kids like the punishments of of jesus christ like, of the torture he went through it was a brilliant freaking episode and so people forget that they think that oh you're just a funny guy all you can do is comedy and then when they do drama it's like yeah, how can they do that? But the reason they they're so good at comedy is because they're good performers. So exactly, yeah. And and Carell was on, of course, Foxcatcher. Oh, a couple incredible. years ago and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just, I don't know. It's really cool to see them. The show that should have worked. I mean, it's too funny to fail. It's like they should have worked on all fronts. And like Dana says in the middle of the thing, he's like, it's like interviewing the guy from on the Titanic. Like, well, I always loved icebergs as a kid. You know, I even <laughs> even ice. I love it. And so he's like, this is the most ridiculous documentary of all time. But like, I don't know. It, it's and all those people on the show are still funny. They're still funny and doing stand up and just uh, millionaires and like or have their own late night. Successful talk show. It's just insane. So, I mean, I don't know. the other the other one that that comes to mind is the state on MTV, right? Um, yep. I actually right, met, and all the talent that came off of that. Oh my gosh, know? I met I met Michael Ian Black uh, last year, Excellent. and um, just had a. I mean, you know, I just said to him, I was like, I, I just loved the state. Like, I just it was a must see for me um, as a teenager, and you know, the Ben Stiller show and all these things. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean. 
I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know why. Would I don't get it either. And and even like you know, one of my least favorite sketch comedy shows was Mad TV. Yeah. Um, but still, the talent that came off of that is ridiculous too. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Actually, one of and, those yeah. dudes, one of the first cast members of Mad TV, uh, Craig Anton, teaches at the school I work for. And oh, get out of yeah, here. so we go to auditions in Chicago every year for performing arts students. Um, and I just, I just ask him questions about Mad TV and like stand up comedy because he knows everybody. Um, so yeah, uh, he's just he's an awesome storyteller. So shout out to Craig because he's the man. So there you go. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, good stuff, man. Good stuff. All right. So for my number four, um, interesting news story that came out this week. You're familiar with the comedian uh, Whitney Cummings, right? Of course. I mean, one of the best female comedians. Actually, I'm gonna pardon me. Shame on me. For putting female ahead of that, she's just one of the best comedians out there. Period. I mean, you forget the. Female. I think yeah, and if you want to do the female thing, I'm gonna say she's, I'm gonna say she's the best female roaster that we got. Oh, hundred percent. When they do the roasting thing, Lisa Lampanelli back in the day was pretty good. Oh, but gosh. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I think uh, Whitney Cummings was yeah, she's great, incredible, and underutilized. But anyway, yeah. um, she, I guess it was either last year, or earlier this year. She shared a picture on her Instagram story, which I still don't know how these Instagram story things work. I'm not going to even get into it. But, um, and she didn't realize that I guess in the picture at the bottom of it, you can see kind of her left nipple because she was topless when she took the picture. So she immediately. Did you say this is on Instagram? This is on, this is on Instagram. Um, and she deleted it like immediately, but apparently in that, in that like eight seconds that it was on her. Right. Story, it got grabbed and apparently she got emails from people saying that like hey we're going to release this unless you do this this or this so she was like you know what screw it so she went on twitter and posted the photo as is and said look i'm not going to be threatened with nudes and things like that here this is it this is me um and a lot of people you know are were definitely saying you know what good for you Good for you. Right. Like, you know what? Own it. It's your body. You own it. Take pride, whatever. Um, so I just want to get your take on this, Ben. I mean, like when it comes to all, you see a lot of these, like, you know, headlines where it's like nude photos or phones hacked and, you know, compromising photos of th people and blah, 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 all over the place. And, and here you have a situation. I mean, granted, I mean, it's just her. I think she's eating something and that's, that right. was the, it's just a dumb photo. Just right. a dumb yeah. photo. It's, it's yeah. not like she's doing you know, anything explicit, but like sexy thing, right? Right, yeah. exactly. Um, but I, I gotta be honest, I, I was I, I I took a step back and I was like, you know what, good for you. Good for you. So I just wanted mm -hmm. you I just wanted your take on it. Well, I mean, we were just talking about how comedians and performers feel like they have to be safe. You know what I mean? And it's kind of her being freeing, just freeing herself of, I don't give a shit what you think of me. Like mm -hmm. she is a, definitely a racy comic that, that has always been, she's definitely a very blue comic, even when she was like 23 years old and starting roasts and stuff. And I thought the story that you're going to talk about was uh, when she was on Stern just recently and talking about uh, the leftover jokes that she never read for the Harvey Weinstein roast. Oh my God. No, I didn't even, I didn't even hear that one yet. Yeah, that was on uh, YouTube. I, th I think she was just on it. It popped up on record. It's awesome. It's like a three-minute clip of him, her doing it. And it's really interesting. She was 23 at the time. And she reads these jokes. And she's like, this is the one of the weirdest 
sets and it, she did she ended up just doing some basic roast stuff and really not doing anything funny but the jokes were all about him womanizing and abusing women and stuff wow. because the rumors were out there and she she was 23 she said she was like i was scared because that was the air i mean you this guy would ruin my career if i really roasted him wow so it's a really interesting commentary i thought that was going to be like your story but here's this woman i mean that's that's her when she's at her best she doesn't give a shit who you are how famous you are she's going to roast you she's going to make fun of you and that's what makes these comedians so great and in this world of safety and we should be careful and i don't know but good for her you know what i mean and just not being scared to speak your mind and be who you are just because of some yes. troll on the internet Heck yes. it's good for her all right man what's your number yeah. five Number five this week, I'm going to squeak one by, I'm going to sneak one past the goalie. Uh, um, I watched a couple documentaries. I watched the full documentary. It was called Screwball. It's on Netflix. It's about Tony Bosch and the doping scandal. Oh, okay. I think it came out yeah. last year. Really good. Can't recommend that more. It's about A-Rod and all those things and the whole controversy. Really good on Netflix. Um, but what I really want to talk about, I was like in a sports kind of documentary mood. I wanted to talk about Chris. Uh, did you watch... Um, hard knocks. Yes. Uh, the Oakland the first Raiders. Episode. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I watched the first episode. I love hard knocks. I've watched, I've watched bits and pieces of most seasons. Like when I had HBO, I'd, I'd put it on here and there. The jets one was great. And of course the Ravens, of course, great, great, great. And I think they said this is the last season. Yes. Um, because people are getting too mm-hmm. guarded, you know, in this day and age of people just with cameras everywhere, like they're the athletes are too guarded. So you don't get any, really good footage of them doing goofy stuff or even swearing even um any thoughts on this show there's multiple thoughts i have uh what are your thoughts on antonio brown well here's the thing i mean i I love hard knocks it's it's required viewing for me as a football fan it gets me amped for the season i've actually made fantasy football picks based on what i've seen on hard knocks like i remember one year it was the cincinnati Bengals and like I was like, oh, Ocho Cinco looks really good on Hard Knocks. I'm going to draft him. And sure enough, it worked out pretty well for me. But um, yeah, in terms of Antonio Brown, <clears throat> I, I know that like a lot of the stuff that we've heard in the headlines for the past couple of weeks wasn't included in this first episode of Hard Knocks. But um, I got to be honest with you. He's – the way that his, his attitude has been, he's got to deliver. I mean, it's just, I, I think he's got an enormous amount of pressure. Yeah. He can't have an average year. He has to have an incredible year. And for a guy who's, I think he's 30 or 31. Um, yeah, something like that. I, I mean, once right. you hit yep. that big three zero in the NFL, that's tough to do. So especially wide receiver, especially yeah. wide receiver. Um, and, and now that he has like what third degree frostbite on his feet or something like that. And like the whole issue over his helmet. I mean, just shut up and play, shut up and play. I mean, I went through T.O. I went through Chad Ochocinco. I've seen prima donna wide receivers before, but this is just ridiculous. It is ridiculous. It's like it could be like a storyline on uh, the show Ballers for that Ricky character, oh, yeah. the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all I was thinking. I was like ridiculous. And I love that the uh, they had that one kid from uh, the – was it uh, Football U or something? What, what's oh, the last Ali chance kid? Last chance to you. Yeah, that kid Ali, and they cut him. I couldn't believe Mm -hmm. that. And Mm -hmm. he was just phoning it in and not doing anything. So it was just, I, the show is still fascinating. And anytime you have, because professional sports, you're really talking about, especially in football, you're talking about 32 teams with a roster of what, like 40 guys, 50 guys, 53. 53. Yep. And so just in total, you have, you know, 
of the population of America in the world. You only have so many slots that you can actually play professional sports or professional baseball. It is always fascinating, the cutting process. And, you know, even the even the movie, something ridiculous like Major League or something like that, there's still high drama with the red cards and all that stuff that is just so interesting. And you just, I don't know, I can't get enough of that. So I love this show. It's going to be a bummer that it goes away, but maybe they'll replace it with something. I mean, I know Bill Simmons is still back there getting ready to uh, make some more documentaries for HBO because um, they kept showing the Andre the Giant thing on the HBO sports thing. So I'm thinking they're ramping up for another one. So I can't wait to see what he brings. So maybe they'll replace it with something next season. We'll see. I mean, Amazon does their own thing called, uh, um, it's called all or nothing, which is they do like a full season. Um, so instead of just a preseason with hard knocks, they actually follow a team for the entire season uh, in a, in a hard knocks type of fashion. Uh, last year they did it on the Carolina Panthers. Uh, the year before they did it um, about the Michigan Wolverines football team. Um, Notre Dame football was on it one year. So like Amazon's got something like it. I, I don't think it's as good as hard knocks. It's not as candid as hard knocks can get. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I love, I love hard knocks because you get every, every so often you get some of these nuggets that just stay with you. Like the jets season was just gold. I mean, control. between Rex Ryan and Antonio Cromartie trying to name all of his kids, uh, as a Jets fan myself, like I was loving, I got more amped for the Jets season watching that than anything else ever. So, um, <laughs> and they went to the AFC Championship that year. So they did. There you go. There was you that go. with uh, Mark Sanchez? That was the second year. Yeah, the second, second year. Second year. Yep. Yep. Uh, that happened. So I mean, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Hard knocks will be missed if this is the last season. Yeah, and so. I I don't know where I read that article, but I I'm pretty sure I read that article. I think I you're right. I think you're yeah. absolutely right. I think this is the last season of it, but that sucks. Oh well. I mean, I would be I would have been fine with them doing it with the Raiders for the next couple of years, especially since they're going to Vegas next year. So I know, just keep them embedded. I know. Why not? Why not? All right. Well, for my my number five, Ben. I don't know if you saw this. This is breaking news. Yeah. Uh, it's the end of an era for you and I. <clears throat> Um, and this is kind of localized. So for those of you out there that don't know what I'm talking about, I apologize, but it's important. Uh, some news coming out of Elmira, New York today. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Um, at Elmira College, one of their residence halls known as the Twin Towers has been condemned. <laughs> it has been closed by the uh, fire or occupancy housing you know, for the city of Elmira, basically they have no shut it down. No way. Towers is closed. Towers is closed. It has been deemed unsuitable to be lived in. <laughs> Unsafe. Um, apparently it has to do with the elevators that are not up to code, which is frightening to think about yeah, how many times. Well, yeah, I know. I mean, those felt unsafe when, in 2002. <laughs> Never mind now. <laughs> so um, I won't lie. When I read the article today, it's being passed around by all of our you know, collective mutual college friends. Yeah, yeah. Um, the general reaction has been like, just now, like really. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. <laughs> like now, you decide that this place is unlivable. Um, I'll be honest with you, though. <clears throat> um, you know, for those of you who don't know, the Twin Towers—they're the largest residence halls uh, at Elmira College. Um, it's two eight-floor buildings that were built in 1960. Yeah, that's when it and opened. It shows. It shows. And it's it definitely shows. 1960. So, first of all, I had no idea that it was built in 1960. So I'm like, oh, good. So it's like going on 60 years uh, or 50, 50th anniversary um, coming up, right? 50th? Yeah, 60th. that's. Six, no, five, no. 
2020. 60, 60. Oh my God. That that building is 60 years old. It's not that old. (laughs) And has had little to no renovation since. Um, Yeah. There's like buildings on campus that are from 1855. (laughs) Jesus, Elmire. Uh, Get it together. Um, But yeah. So again, it's, it made me, but it it made me start thinking about just residence halls in college in general and Mm. how, should where does that fall on students priorities when they're looking at colleges and i won't lie i work for a college i talk to students almost every single day they tell me that residence halls are their you know, the second most you know important thing for them when picking a college which is if that's true then why aren't they going to tell my college for that but anyway um <laughs> but i digress but anyway i just wanted to share that nugget real quick so ben any any fun stories from your Residence halls in terms of like, oh my God, this place is falling apart type of story. Uh, oh, well, we can get into it. I don't know any other time that I would share this story. Uh, so, uh, you know, I lived in Perry for two years, which is um, never, a, nice, a pretty nice building. You know, cinder nice. block, if you like cinder blocks. Uh, <laughs> you and, have to uh, love cinder <laughs> uh, Painted cinder blocks all around. But that's pretty standard for dorm rooms. So whatever. Then mm-hmm. listen to us. We're being kind of, oh, <laughs> my private college has painted cinder blocks. Um, so I remember one night uh, we heard a story that it, back in the day, like in the 1850s, 1860s, uh, when the snow would come, there was a tunnel that would go under the main street right there. So people could go from the dorm uh, really, what, was it Hamilton? Was that the dorm right there next to Perry? Uh, Tompkins. Tompkins. They would yeah. go, there's an underground tunnel that goes from Tompkins under the road to Coles Hall, which is an old building built in like 1860 or I think it's 1855. 1855, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, get out of here. And so I forget who we heard this from, but me and my uh, roommate, Rob, we wanted to go check it out. And we were at the end of the hall right there. And we, there was a janitor kind of furnace room right at the bottom of the Perry stairs. And you can open those, those doors. Sometimes the janitor leaves it unlocked. I remember we found that out. And in that janitor's closet are these giant barn metal doors, these giant doors that go to the tunnel. So it wasn't bullshit. But right when we opened it, the alarm sounded. It was awful. And we ran back upstairs. So that's the most we got it. But I've heard that it's it's still underneath the ground. It's caved in. There's a rumor that people died in it. That's why they closed it. And it was that that cave was open all the way up until like the the 1960s until someone died walking across. I don't know if that's all true, but that's my little Elmira dorm room story. I have many more go. dorm rooms. But when else? When else? When else am I going to tell a story about that? Well, when other times when we can talk about this. Um, so, so, so you know, I'm going to pour one out for for towers. Um, yeah. I, I the official statement from the college is that they're working to renovate and fix the elevators. Um, thankfully, so yes. hopefully towers will be reopened. But literally, students move in two weeks from now. So well, that's when, what I was just going to say. I was like, what date is it? Like that was yeah. the shocking part of it. So I don't know how they're going to do this because towers, I didn't know this holds 438 students. Um, wow. They got to figure out where these students are going to go at least for the first month or so of school. And I'm like, you can't put them in cottages. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I rem- if I can remember right, like a lot of the kids that stay over for the summer stay in towers. So yeah, they, they, they've, they've been, been displaced. They've been displaced. So 
Um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens there. So there you go, my man. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on, on the elite, the top five picks, but Ben, let's go YouTube my friend. Let's go YouTube baby. All right. Well, I only have one this week. All right. I got a couple. Um, do you? Okay. Quick. Um, really quick. Um, oh my God. I'm going to have you go first because I can't read my handwriting. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> See, I just do my liked videos. I just pull up my YouTube app. So, um, so uh, of course, so on on the liked videos on the um, live nude swearing page, you can Google it and just see my liked videos whenever. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked a bunch of the Ron Burgundy stuff off of Late Night that I liked. Um, then I liked a interview with Daryl Hall off of Howard Stern in two thousand seven. Oh, um, okay. And you know, I think I've talked. I don't know if I spoke on the podcast about. Uh, how I love live at Daryl's house and all the guests. And that's like one of my favorite things to watch with my dad and stuff. Um, you know, his, you know, Joe Walsh on there and CeeLo on there, just amazing stuff. But this interview is raw to say the least. Um, it is a full up interview, no music. It's him and T-Bone Walker just talking uh, on there. And uh, Daryl is swearing and saying some things that have not aged well. Um, it is quite a racy interview. So please check that out. I also uh, liked a couple of the Super Mario Maker 2 uh, 3D Maze house level and James and Mike play um, Mario Maker 2. And then finally, on uh, Jimmy Fallon, uh, the song Electric Avenue by Eddie Grant was performed by Eddie Grant and the Roots. I think it was last week. And it is epic. So if you know the song Electric Avenue, please check it out. The guy's screaming just like, I don't know, it's epic. Check it out. I did see that um, the Electric Avenue thing and remembered how much I love that song. I know uh, to begin with, but um, yeah. Oh, okay. Now I, I just I just reread what uh, I I watched this week. Um, so there's a uh, Jada Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. Um, does a talk show, so to speak, on YouTube, uh, YouTube Red, I should call it. Um, and it's 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 basically her her mother and her daughter talking about things like just life in general. Okay. Female things and stuff like that. Um, But in a couple episodes, Jada Pinkett uses the show to settle some beefs in her life. Um, So she brings on uh, Will Smith's ex-wife who he left for Jada Pinkett. Whoa. And they basically like hug it out. Um, she has like Gabrielle Union on, and I guess they had a beef a long time ago. So it's just really interesting. But what's interesting about the Smith family, and I, I the reason I bring this up is <clears throat> this is one of those situations where you've got two parents that are so freaking famous and whose kids are raised in such an interesting way that when you watch them tackle like everyday questions about life, it it's like they've never breathed air before. I don't know. It's just like <laughs> they've never gone like grocery shopping or what? Right. right. It's like, but then, and, and when they do, it's like this, this profound experience, like everything with Jaden and, um, uh, oh gosh. I don't know the other sister. one. Don't Willow. Willow. Um, right. Yes. Like everything is like, wow. Like there are people like that out there, man. And like, oh man, there are people that spend, you know, $20 on a meal. Like that's crazy. Like, just like, <laughs> like they're, they're talking about like, um, oh gosh, like one, one episode was like her, she talked about how 
I guess Willow walked in on on her and and Will Smith like watching like adult films together to spice up their marriage, and like then they had this like in depth conversation about porn and women's Ugh. you know role in porn. I'm like, God, like everything is profound to these people because they have no sense of reality. They have no <laughs> sense of reality. So do they leave the house at all? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't Except think they film? have a high school degree. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I just. I mean. It's odd. I don't, I get, I get the fact that like, you know, people are famous and you know, you have to be somewhat, you know, protective of your kids and stuff like that. I mean, I, I know that reality cause I'm so famous and you know, I got you, know, you and I, right. well, you, you know, I mean, you're preaching to the choir, of course. It's crazy. I mean, you know. um, but even if that was the case, let's say you and I are making, you know, Bill Simmons money off of this and type of deal. I I'd still want my son and my kids to have a realistic viewpoint of society. <laughs> like, right. I want them to know how to pump gas. <laughs> like, yeah, that was really um, interesting. Actually, speaking of on the hard on hard knocks, wasn't Derek Carr talking to that one uh, oh, rookie yeah. guy about that? And he's like, "Oh yeah, my kids are definitely working." He's like, "Oh, stop it, Derek! You make it one hundred twenty-eight million dollars or something in four years or something." But you know, good for him good for, for him. Uh, you know doing that. He's like, "No, you got to do that." So I don't. It, Derek Carr came off really. He he won that episode. He came off like head on a swivel, kind of just dad, just doing dad shit. And he named and his kid Deacon too. And he named his kid. Hey, first of all, hey, there you go. So I know I noticed that, and uh, he looked pretty good in that episode throwing the ball. So I was like, you know, from a fantasy standpoint, I was like, hmm. I've always liked him as a crack. fantasy standpoint. He's a pretty solid quarterback. I mean, he, I I don't know. Oakland looks pretty good this year. I'm kind of maybe it's hard knocks that's wearing on me, but I'm telling you, I think they're gonna win a couple. There you go. There you go. Um, all right, man. Well, anything else you want to plug this week? Anything else going on? Um, well, oh, well, one thing I wanted to talk about is there's this one guy, uh, I've made some horror movies with him, some crazy steampunk movies with him. And this weekend I filmed a star Wars movie out in Syracuse yes. with him. Uh, and we filmed with a couple people that are part of, uh, a group that makes their own costumes. Uh, they make their own Mandalorian costumes. So they had bounty Ooh. hunter costumes and they looked legit. They looked great. And of course, I do the Kessel Run, so hopefully they'll be joining us this year. But we had an absolute blast filming out there. Um, hopefully, we'll get some IMDb credits, and this thing will be made. He's great. He goes around. His name's Mike Godreau, and he talks. Uh, he goes all around the world, actually. And when he goes on vacation, he just films little scenes. Listen, and it's ultra low budget, but it's tons of fun. He shows up with a script. We filmed, I think, twenty two scenes in about two and a half hours. Wow. Um, and so. If if you like acting and, you know, people are always looking for work and stuff, you know, you just it's all about networking. And when this guy texts me, I'm just always down. I'm like, dude, when are we just tell me when I'll come meet you. And, um, you know, me, I'm pretty good at memorizing. So I had these bunch of kids run around. And so, uh, you know, I say kids like 20 somethings. And so we just ran these lines and then we'd film the scene and we just keep going. And so it was so much fun. Great networking for like uh regional acting you know all the guys we facebook friended each other so i just want to say it was a great time i just love doing little projects like that even if nothing comes of it and the thing never gets made maybe we'll make a cool trailer and it'll go up and go viral and who knows so i just had to give that a awesome, shout out man. i can't wait to i mean is it going to be released like on a youtube or something like that when it, when it comes out he usually does the trailer okay. on YouTube and then he'll have like a little viewing party. I think he's from New England somewhere. And then he comes out here and films here, films with students and then just kind of combines nice. all the footage. And um, we made a zombie movie a couple of years ago. And listen, they're just low budget things, but 
you know what? He'll have a viewing party. He'll give you a DVD and Very it's cool. kind of awesome, dude. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, folks, you can hear this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com. Got a bunch of new podcasts coming out, one of which is um, Ben. Uh, do you know the TV show Supernatural by any chance? I, yeah. Vaguely? Yeah, it's on the CW. Yeah, uh, I've seen a couple. Seen yeah. a couple. We, we now have a podcast that is deep diving into every single episode of Supernatural, starting from episode well, So you're one. going back to the starting episode one? Starting with the pilot. We're already two episodes in. I'm doing it with my wife. So it's me and my wife, who is a huge Supernatural fan. We figured it's a nice couple's activity, you know, that involves yeah. podcasting. So why not? Why not? So got that one up. It's called Liar, Liar, Mom on Fire. So definitely check that out. Um, and <laughs> then uh, we got another podcast coming out. Uh, soon from some of our friends in uh, Chicago Um, and it's a theater podcast but it's called are your parents proud of you and they're basically going to be talking to actors and designers and and directors about um, their their lives growing up and how they entered the industry and and asking the question like are your parents proud of you that you made these life choices of entering the the theatrical uh, profession so looking forward to seeing what comes out of those those two podcasts so there you go. But we've got new podcasts pretty much coming up every single day on the website. Um, so keep checking those out. So awesome. Awesome. Ben, thanks so much, man, this week. This was great. Yeah, dude. Lots of uh, new stories coming out. I'm thinking that we're back We're back to ready to rock into the entertainment cycle. And uh, I think Oscar movies are coming out. Lots of uh, film festivals coming out. So yeah, TV hopefully, seasons are coming back. Yeah, the whole nine yards. That's right. Hopefully we'll have some new content or – my God, Once Upon a Time is going to sweep <laughs> like like just nuts. So we shall I don't see. know. Yeah, we, we shall see. see. All right, man. Well, we'll talk to you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment.